Back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And we'll, we'll, we'll finish up the first beatitude. Um, you know, and I, I, hate, I hate to think that I, I felt, I've always felt that this first beatitude was the weightiest of them all. And I don't want to give them any ranking. But to me, it is the foundation of all of them. Um, and as, I've ser- as I searched through Scripture this week, as much as the Scripture speaks to it, kind of reinforced that to me. And so I did not want to rush it, and I didn't want to just try to get it out of the way. And so this evening, what I really have um, are just a few examples of people that we know in Scripture that have acknowledged their poverty, their spiritual poverty. And the purpose of it is to see in the stories of these people what it was that illuminated their eyes to this poverty that they had. So we can see it in their lives, what happened, and therefore their response. Um, And really, it's kind of a segue into the second beatitude, which is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That one is really a response to the first beatitude. Think about it. If someone is poor, just financially, are they going to be mournful, sorrowful, and sad about it? They would be. And that's the reality of spiritual poverty. But not because a poor person... And and we have to think about it. A poor person who cannot feed themselves are afraid that they won't live, that they could die. A spiritually impoverished, impoverished person, they see their inability to feed themselves eternally, spiritually, their, their, their inability to save themselves, and that their fear is that their sin is causing them to die because they know the wages of sin is death. And so the reaction, the response that we'll see from these three three men is their mourning to some degree, but we'll get more into the mourning, uh, Lord willing, next next Sunday morning. Uh, But let me just read 5, 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 5, 1, 2, and 3 get a quick reminder of what, how we define sport, poor in spirit, and then look at these three uh, examples. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountains. This is Jesus. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the final thing I want us to look at um, is that last portion, the actual blessing, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'll just tell you now, that's very difficult to to preach and teach on. The blessing 
of being an heir of the kingdom of God. Just saying it is a lot to consider that theirs is, there's a possession of an inheritance. Well, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but it is, it's almost as if I just can't, I cannot put into words outside of what is that already said in Scripture of the weight, the, 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 the value, the, the eternal joy of knowing that you are a citizen, an heir, an inheritance within the kingdom of God. So, and that's pretty much basically what I had to say with a few other passages, but we'll get to that here in the end, and we, we won't take much time this evening. Um, but just a reminder, we kind of talked about it. A poor man lacks the ability to obtain what it takes to live. Poor in spirit, all people lack what it takes to obtain eternal life. And let, we didn't mention, I didn't really mention this uh, this morning. What is it that takes? What is it that it takes to obtain eternal life? Righteousness. That's it. And you and I, within who we are from head to toe, inside and out, can't do it. Cannot do it. We cannot stand before God and say, here I am, let me in because of what I've done. Never, never. And that is this, poverish, this impoverishedness that we have, this poor in spirit. Um, and those who see their shortcoming and their need, like, and think about Lazarus. And I'm so glad that, I, that the Lord had put, put that example before us. Lazarus, as a poor man, he laid at the table waiting for crumbs. How humiliating. He laid at the table waiting for crumbs. Those who see their shortcoming have to lay at the foot of the cross and take what Jesus gives. See, it's not Lazarus isn't eating his food. He's eating someone else's food. It's not his. We receive Jesus' righteousness. Not our own. None of it our own. It is all of his and we have to approach it in humility as Lazarus did at the table of the rich man. And like we sang this morning, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And then we'll, we'll look at this idea. The, the verse says, naked, I come to thee for dress. The, in, in our world now, to be naked really has no shame about it. But that's the point of nakedness, is that you are in, you are, you're in your shame. You are uncovered. You are vulnerable. You have nothing. But we come to Christ to, to be clothed in righteousness. To be clothed in righteousness. The white robes of Christ. 
All right, so let's look at these three examples. Let's start with Job. Turn to chapter 42 of Job. And we, we, we're familiar with Job's story. Had it all. Uh, was a man blameless before the Lord. Job 42. And the Lord through Satan took all that he had. Job 42. And you know, you think you, we talk about Job a lot and we we spend most of our time in the first two chapters. Job's like 42 chapters long. And there's a lot going on in this conversation between Job and these and his friends. And by the end of it, while Job did not sin in the beginning, he was getting pretty close by the end of his conversations with his friends and questioning God. And in verse in chapter 42 looking at verse 5 before before we read that God gets tired of listening to Job. He gets tired of listening to Job and he he tells Job he says sit down young man and speak up and answer these questions. And basically he says where were you when I created all of this? And then he says in his own way, step up and answer me like a man, Job. Then Job responds at the end of it all. Now, consider our theme of being poor in spirit. Verse 5 of chapter 42, Job says to God, I had heard of you, by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes, my eyes sees you. Now look at his response. Verse 6. Therefore, I despise myself. What is it that causes him to respond in, with this idea of being impoverished? impoverished, of being poor in spirit, of not being enough. What is it that brings that idea to, him, to, his, to his mind and his heart? He sees but, but before that, before he sees, who is, he sees God. And that shows, you're exactly right, after that, the sin of who he is, of him in his nature, in reflection of Almighty God, who in the last two or three chapters has just expressed to God to Job, the majesty and the power and the authority and the sovereign rule of creator and sustainer of all the universe. And Job, he has nothing to do, but he says, I see you now. And then he's on the ground in humility. I despise myself. I was reading through um, my Matthew commentary by Spurgeon, and he said this, uh, he says, those who are of no account in their own eyes are of the royal blood of the universe. To see ourselves of no account. You know, we have the tendency of want to calling other people of no account. But it begins with understanding of in 
reflection of who God is. Who are we? And Job saw this, and it, he said he despised himself, and then his response. Now, this is the second beatitude, actually, and we see in his response. And I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That is a ritual sign of mourning. Of mourning. Now look at Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to see a pattern here. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in uh, verse 1. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw, Isaiah speaking, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Look what he says. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, our faith, our lives... They depend on how you see God. Everything that we do, everything that we see in Scripture is solely based on who God is. If God was not king, if he was not Lord, if he was not creator, if he was not holy, 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 you would have no need of repentance. You would have no need of being forgiven. We must know and know daily and grow in our understanding of who God is. And I've heard I've heard a, a lot of uh, men I trust to say that the problem with American church is that they don't actually know who God is. Because to know God would be the motivation of everything 
would be the motivation to want to be biblical, to want to seek holiness, and to want to have holiness for the sake of the congregation. Both of these men said that they, they, with their eyes they have seen the king. And they pronounced judgment. <laughs> Isaiah is pronouncing judgment upon himself. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Jesus um, has begun to he's be, he's begun his ministry, so pretty similar to where we are in Matthew, um, and then chapter five of Luke, he is calling his first disciples, and in this case, he he's calling um, Simon, which we would later know as Peter, uh, and the sons of Zebedee. Simon's out fishing not having much luck. And then Jesus shows up and started in chapter 6. Well, Jesus tells him what to do. Uh, let's see it. Let's start in verse 5. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. We cannot, we cannot forget this. We cannot live our lives forgetting the vast, uncrossable chasm between the holiness of God and our wretched, sinful selves. How could we? How, how could we know? Say we know God and yet let this become a fleeting thing. Depart from me. Peter doesn't want him near. He's, Jesus, get away from me. I'm not worthy to be around you. But here's, here's the, 
Here's the blessing in this beatitude. Jesus didn't turn around and walk away. He didn't say, you know, right? You know what, Peter? You're right. See you later. He stayed. And of all the disciples, apart from Judas, Peter would have given him the most grief and wanted, probably wanted to make him walk away more than any of them. But Jesus stayed. You know, and it makes me think. It makes me think of what John says in chapter 13. Just listen, listen here. Now before the feast of the Passovers, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. Job, Isaiah, Peter, and by the grace of God, you and I. That even though we are men and women of unclean lips, that we are wretched sinners, the blessing of this first beatitude is that the kingdom of heaven has not been removed. It has not been taken away. It has not been blocked, but it has been given to us because of the grace of God and the grace of God alone. But there is, when you think about, when you think about this inheritance, when you think about this blessing, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and you begin to, comp you try to begin to comprehend what that even means. And like I said, it's almost as if you could me uh, meditate and dwell on it day and night and never once fully fathom and gather and understand the value of being in the kingdom of God, to be a citizen. And I know I've said, I've given the parable many of times. It's so valuable that you, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field that when you find it, what do you want to do? You want to sell everything in order to have and possess that. That is the value of the kingdom of heaven. And for those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven. Children of God, Romans 8 tells us, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And Ephesians says it this way Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Based on, yeah, based on the righteousness and death burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You go on and read Ephesians 1 this week. That whole chapter 
discusses, explains the blessings of the believer in Christ. And he goes and he says at the end of, towards the end of Ephesians 1, he says, I'm praying for you uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. He, Paul wants the Ephesians to know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. We cannot begin to comprehend what it will be like. We cannot. But, but Paul wants them, he's praying that they will grow in that understanding. Because when we grow of our understanding of the inheritance that we have obtained, that was not ours, that was, that was Christ, he earned his inheritance. He was a faithful son. We are unfaithful sons and daughters. But we get to share in the inheritance of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Now, I want to just leave us with this bit of warning. Um, we as believers who gather together, we need to be warned. And the writer of Hebrews makes that very clear with the many warnings that he gives. Uh, but there's a warning to a church in Revelation in Laodicea. And they've, got, they've forgotten about their poverty. Let me read this and then we'll close. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now listen to what he says. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. This is a church saying, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Yeah. But he says, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And here's his counsel. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. The value of what Christ offers. And he, he is pleading with this church to buy from him his gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. He's reminding them that you have absolutely nothing apart from me. But what I have for you makes you rich beyond measure. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So 
as a warning to us as a church. We cannot come to a place where we get fat and happy. Where we get satisfied. Where we don't, we don't approach the presence of God like Job or Peter or Isaiah. That even when we walk in these doors, that we remember that we walk, we come to walk into the presence of God. And at our homes, that we hope to take our families into the presence of God. And it is not a menial thing. It is not something we do just off our cuff. But as we go into the presence of God, that we remember our spiritual poverty. But then we also remember the blessings of being an heir of his kingdom. Let's pray. Our Lord God, put heavy on our hearts this week your holiness and your majesty. Help us to see what Isaiah saw and to feel the trembles of the foundations. To take in what it felt like to be in the presence before the throne of God. Help us to remember as Job was reminded of the power of Almighty Creator. Help us to see our need this week. Help us to depend upon you. God, but remind us and help us to see the hope that we have in Jesus and the gloriousness of the the gloriousness and the riches of the inheritance that we have obtained through our union with Christ by faith and faith alone. For the sake of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. You all have a blessed week. Say that again. Knowing that we are doubly accountable. Yeah.